Geek Shock. Geek Shock. I'm going to sleep during uh, the last red light, green light. No, we're not doing that tonight. Oh, no sleep for me. No, no, no sleep for the wicked. I'll sleep during the email. During no the email? S- we're not doing email tonight. No sleep till Brooklyn? Wow, we're not doing anything. Now we're doing news. Oh, news? Yeah. I'll sleep during the news. We're doing news you, you don't give a no shit about. <laughs> sleep till news time. <laughs> you got, I got nine pages of news. All right. Oh, my God, a lot of news. Nine, 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 Six nine. Or seven. Nine is a small number for lately. Well, in, I guess in German it would be no pages of news. So yeah. Oh, no pages. Yeah, see, I told you. <laughs> no, see is yes. In Spanish. Oh, God damn it. Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 427. I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. I'm Fact Jack Andy and Maple Leaf Matt and, and uh, uh, uh-oh, uh-oh, Major uh-oh. Andy, Andy didn't prepare his joke well. No, I didn't. <laughs> Where to talk? The famous Paul. He smothered himself with a pillow this time. <laughs> Gentlemen, Captain what? Luddite. Oh my God! What geeky <laughs> things did you do this week? Just Michael. Uh, went and saw Black Panther. Went and saw Black night. Panther. And you see Black Panther? I'm too busy making movies to watch movies. Oh, <laughs> Hello, Mr. damn! Fancy pants. <laughs> wow. I didn't see it either, so no, that's, that's that's half the room. I definitely have to see it before next week because there's no way I'm missing that conversation. Yeah. The uh, yeah. The spoilery convo is well, next week. Uh, Shock Monkeys, I'm sure you've noticed that our record times have changed a little bit in the last couple of weeks. Oh, we're getting that out? Come on. Uh, that's if letting it out. I think it's pretty apparent now. So, yeah. <laughs> a little Jake's going to have a heart attack again. So, instead of recording on Tuesdays, we're now recording on Mondays. But that means that we're recording after I work. And Mondays used to be my night for being able to catch movies. Mm-hmm. So I can't do it until after the show. So mm-hmm. I can guarantee, I, not that this is a big change for the last year, that I will not be seeing any movies on their opening weeks. So, so how was, uh, so how was uh, Iron Fist? Uh, get out. Get out of here with that. <laughs> get out of here with that. Uh, so okay, so t- both of you uh, on your phones. I would like to uh, know your general impressions of Black Panther. I liked it. That's well, great. I quite enjoyed wait, it. Wait, <laughs> what did my phone tell me? Hold on. Um, I'm, I, 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 this is the non-spoilery, so I can't yeah. obviously get into details. But exactly. I, I really enjoyed it. Todd, it was good. It's beautiful. Oh yeah. I love the color palette. I love the production design. It's wonderful. The script is nice without getting spoilery. Um, the supporting characters are supporting characters. They're not foils. They're not there to be rescued. They're yes. not there to get in trouble and and make what would be an otherwise easy task for the protagonist tough. Everybody is outstanding in their acting. Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger does a wonderful job. Yeah. As well as Chadwick uh, Boseman. Um, there's Forrest Whitaker, so the uh, the hipster haters can come out on that and get mm-hmm. all pissed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I really did enjoy it. Jeff, you have anything to add to that? Not really. I mean, it like like awesome. he said, it was it literally was a gorgeous film. Mm. The color palette was amazing, especially if you get to see it in uh, one of the large formats like DFX, IMAX, or XD. There's a what was it, Andy? Two seventy. 
Yes, that's here in town. I got to see that. Is, that is here in town. There's one here in town. It's at Town Square. Jesus. There's a there's in three theaters in the country. There's a 270 degree uh, version of Black Panther. What? Yeah. Tell, what? What? I don't yeah, know anything what, about what this. What does that entail? I haven't, I haven't heard Apparently about this. Either. Wow, you got Jeff si- on a technical. There's note. side projectors projecting on both sides of the wall of the walls too. This oh, is so it's the old Cinerama style. Kinda, but it actually it's actually from the picture I saw. It looked like it's actually projecting on the walls to the left and right of you. Oh, okay. How interesting. The town square here in Las Vegas. Yeah. One of three. One of three in a country. Wow, we never get anything movie-wise in Vegas. This is impressive. Yeah. We got the uh, Tarantino release of... Uh, of, of um, yeah, 70 millimeter version. 70 millimeter is 78. And, we got, and we got the uh, Peter Beagle version of uh, Peter Beagle speaking at uh, Last Unicorn. We get shit. We get the occasional thing. Yeah, We, we got the premiere of Sharknado 4, baby. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Aren't we lucky? Come to think of it, we actually got the premiere of... Uh, of uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was here too. We were going to have the world premiere of uh, the 2009 Star Trek, but we all know how that went. Wah, wah, wah. Uh, and remind our listeners how it went. <sighs> it did. Star Trek: The Experience closed in 2008, even though CBS and Paramount were both really pushing hard and offering to throw money at the deal to try to get. Um, the experience to stay open so that they could use it as a promotional um, tool for the new movie as well as having <laughs> the world premiere tool. of the movie at the Hilton. Wow. West, West nope. Ga- Westgate's stupid. Nope. Oh, that's long before Westgate yeah. bought it. Long. Yeah, it was a whole bunch of stuff. But yeah, Black Panther, yeah, I really liked it. Um, there's a lot of hype around the movie. Uh, yeah. I do think that it is an important movie. It is yes. kind of landmark in the way it's done. It is not as fantastic as some people are screaming, but then again, we're talking Marvel. So it's one of the best Marvel movies, and it's yeah. still a great movie. Yeah, so. Marvel, I, I, I kind of felt that way with some of the Marvel movies because they've set the bar so high now that even though you have a really high-quality film, you're almost conditioned to just go, it was good. <laughs> it wasn't great, but it was good. Yeah. Wow. Sort. Because if you compare it to other films, then you go, oh, my God, that was a much better film. But because they keep producing quality product, it's it's hard to, you know, it's without comparing it to other things, there's just no way you can go. All right. So it's the most average supermodel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's the average super. That, that, that's, that's a good one there, Andy. <laughs> but yeah, it's but yeah, it does it does change the kind of I won't call it formulaic, but the structure of the way Marvel movies have been done prior to this. Yeah, mm. it's it's a different structure, but that could also be the way they're going to be doing Marvel films from now on. Now that we're so we're not, almost at the end of phase three, and they're trying to figure out what to do for phase four. Yeah. So it's not save the cat, it's save the panther. Would Okay, so would you like to see a lot more movies in this universe of, uh, of Wakanda? And, or, yeah. is, or is like... Oh, yeah. I want to see this movie inspire this and Guardians, and to a lesser extent, Ragnarok. I want to see those movies inspire filmmakers to make more weird location cosmic science fiction or really out there fantasy movies 
that's what I'd like to see. Oh, them, you yeah. know, I'd like to see them really be inspired to just go way out there. The review I heard of it way back a couple of weeks ago when it was this but a couple of people had seen it was that it wasn't as wasn't terribly funny. There weren't many jokes in it. I there's there's jokes in there. Yeah, okay, fine. I didn't, yeah, Jeff. I mean, I didn't think it didn't have maybe as many yucks yeah. as Ragnarok, but it did have humor. It was not utterly Good. humorless. I was afraid to get all like afraid to get all grim dark on me. It also didn't have a whole lot of you know down you know knock down drag out fights i mean there's fights but they're at appropriate times mm-hmm. for the fights in the movie as opposed to you know conflict after conflict after conflict after conflict so i i know that that was a complaint with some people i didn't have a problem with that because you know did the story feel formulaic at all no not at all no it's a bit of a a bit of a bit of a riff on a riff of a thing okay so I yeah. think it, the the only argument that I or the only you know thing that I would like to have seen more of I would have loved to see them explore Wakanda even more. Yeah, because there are it takes place in and out of Wakanda, but you only see like four or five locations in Wakanda during the whole movie. I bet you Wakanda. But when you see though. when it when it and this is even in the trailers when it swoops down through their their little holographic dome. You see this immense, sprawled-out city that is super technologically advanced, and just it's amazing. And I'm like, I want to go in that building. I want to go in that building. <laughs> yeah. And the, the only buildings they show are, you know, the ones that have to do with the right. actual story. So. It'll be cool in about ten years when they open up, uh, you know, the Wakanda, <laughs> the experience in Atlanta, Georgia. Ah, yes. So at the, at the the next Disney World expansion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the old, uh, the old, uh, what was it? The uh, Sid and Marty Croft uh, space in Atlanta. <laughs> They'll tear out Tomorrowland and and make it Wakanda. I can't <laughs> wait till biz- Disney buys a state. Mm. <laughs> That's gonna be fun. I'm gonna move there. Yeah, really. Then you, you, you mean see. they don't own Florida already? Not yet. They're working on it. Yes. They, they own with, a shitload of land out there. Not with not that. just in and around Walt Disney World. They're taking over like a, a, a strong infection. But yeah, well, yeah. It, it's it, funny. It, Movie Bob. Yeah, I was just gonna his, say that too. The Disney conspiracy. Yeah, he does a nice little bit, and it's really funny because he's like, "Look, Black Panther's coming out." And I support this movie. I really, I'm, I'm, I want this movie to be great, and I want it to do well. So I don't want people to think I'm, I'm pissing on Disney, but you know, at the same time. And then he talks about Disney's takeover and accumulation of media and IP, which is, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's it's on a da- logarithmic. It's scale. dangerous. Yeah. I mean, it's it's dangerous for one entity to own. Too many things, right. and a lot of people go. It's like, oh, Disney's going to do this, and Disney's going to do that, and he makes the point that he's like, what Disney does is they look for popular things, and then they buy that content. Mm. It's not that they're trying to ruin things; they're actively acquiring things that people already like. Yeah. So it's oh. not like they're trying to Disneyfy things; they're simply trying to add to their portfolio. And as of right now, he actually makes this point in there. As of right now they're kind of staying hands-off and allowing these formerly separate entities to operate as they did before. But there's always that potential for it to be corrupted when you have too many things under one umbrella. So going back a step, the whole Disney buying a state thing, Mm -hmm. 
Rhode Island's a small state, but it's too weirdly spread out and diverse, and they're not, they'll never get a little competent. Those guys will fight to the end. Um, but Delaware is essentially owned by one company. DuPont owns so much of Delaware. Oh, they just uh, buy DuPont. So just buy DuPont out, and boom. There you go. I'm still moving there. Just remind everybody that a week from this Saturday, March 3rd, at the James I. Gibson Library here in Las Vegas, well, in Henderson, Nevada, actually, uh, we are joining for a live podcast at the uh, little Comic-Con that they have there. I got to write that down. So 1 p.m. in the afternoon. uh, I'm still putting the show together a little bit for that, but we will be doing some red light, green light. Ooh. And uh, hopefully get some... uh, Audience participation on that as Audience well. Audience precipitation. Yes. Yes. Plenty of it. We you, got you, Toy you, Fair coming want... up. Oh, yeah. That's uh, Toy right? Toy Last Day. Toy Con. Last Day of Toy Con. I was looking for the library. Yes, the, that's this weekend, right? Toy. Yes. Right, it's this it? weekend. Yeah. Wow. Friday. Snuck up on me. I might have this weekend off. I might be at Toy Con. I <laughs> like this plan. <laughs> this is a good plan. Thank yeah. you, gentlemen, for reminding me. Dream on. He loves it when a plan comes together. Yeah, it's going to. So I, was being a, I wasn't just being as smart as about the movie thing. It, it is a lot of fun making the movie. Yes. And I'm very eager to talk about it, but I can't. I mean, it's a horror movie, so I can tell you that I've sent a lot of weird texts back and forth this I'm sure. week. The, my favorite one being, uh, I can probably go pick up the blood after I drop off these guns. <laughs> That'll get you on a watch yeah. list. Well, yeah. that was, and then coming back when I when I initially picked up the guns um, to fix them up and modify them to look more like guns, I had seven uh, assault rifles in the back of my car. Coming back, and I pulled into the little uh, park that I sometimes oh, pull into to play Pokemon in a way. <laughs> and there's a car parked in the middle of the road. <laughs> Parked park in the driveway, essentially. And I'm like, what the? And I assume that it's some idiot like me playing Pokemon Go in there. Sure. Um, and I pulled around it, and it's a cop <laughs> parked in there. And you're like, you know, the park closes in 20 minutes. I'm like, oh, it's just going to Pokemon thing on top of the hill. He goes, oh, all right, fine. Oh, don't search my car. Don't search my car. Don't search my car. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah. Pokemon Go came into play in the movie too because when I went off to shoot yesterday, as I went, got up in the morning and was checked my Pokemon Go, they it before it would even let me go into the game. It, it gave me a warning about the weather. It's like, are you outside? You shouldn't be outside. It's not safe. We had yeah. some extreme gusts here in Las Vegas last night, up up to fifty miles an hour is what the warning said. Wow. So, yeah. and I believe it's standing out there in the desert with the with the sand blowing across me and oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I was sitting in bed listening to it just whip past the windows and going, that sounds really scary. And that <laughs> comes from somebody that grew up in Kansas yeah. where it's windy like this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was there was one particular gust. It was like a really extended gust, and it just was like, and I heard thump, 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 and I'm like, Something is hitting in the window, or is it hitting near the window? It's birds. It was scary. Night uh, wind's scary in the birds. Yeah. It's so. fun when you get the... Yeah, the, the it movie, sounds like the some movie Foley's going on. Yeah. It's pretty good. I, I, I'm sorry, Todd. I no, broke what, the rule. No, what you got? I've got a box of stuff All right. from the fabulous Jamie. Stuff. She actually brought us things. Uh, first up is... Pickle Rick! Two Pickle Rick Funkos. Fun. Wow. So, uh, 
that these are here for the grabbing. Poor Matt. Wah. <laughs> Wah, Matt. <laughs> Wah, Matt. <clears throat> and then we uh, we each have a package. Um, oh, yeah, we do. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, oop. there you go. So what do we got? It's all the same. So Oh, that's all the same? <laughs> this, this is a... Porg. It looks like a Rice Krispie treat, but yes. it's it's a porg Rice Krispie porg treat. Rice oh, and I bet it tastes delicious. This looks amazing. Oh, I don't want to eat it. Yeah, <laughs> I know I'm, that. I'm gonna put it up with my. That porgs. happened. That happened. I think so. That happened with uh, my uh, my Andorian cook cookie. Yeah, from uh, uh, from uh, Cookie Jessica. Um, Jeff, you haven't eaten your cookie either from Cookie Jess, did you? It was, I didn't want to. It looked so cool. Well, my, yeah, it. it's, it's art. It yeah. is art. It was. It was incredible. It was very it was like, tasty art. Next Thank time, you, Jess. Next time, Jess, just, just shellac them. <laughs> Mount them on a, you know. So, I don't know. I may end up humiliating her because I have not read her note. Uh-oh. Hey, guys. By the way, nice handwriting. Last week, I was having a fairly craptastic week and feeling a little down. In an effort to cheer myself back up, I decided to play hooky from work. Wow. I hope nobody from work is listening. Yeah, yes, sir. So I could go to my favorite happy place, Disneyland. (laughs) Disneyland. On the drive out to Anaheim, I listened to a couple of episodes from the back catalog. And as always, you were able to put a smile on my face and make me laugh. I was already in a better mood by the time I got. See, you didn't even have to play hooky. Yeah. Just listen to us for a while. Then you're ready to go back to work. We're a cheap high. Yeah. (laughs) While at Disneyland, I came across a little something I thought you might enjoy, inspired by Todd's great love of porgs. Rock and roll. And Jake's vehement, repetitive, and blasphemous declaration that all porgs be killed with fire and then eaten. Which, you know, it's like a rotisserie chicken. Well, they should be eaten. I figured these seemed incredibly apropos. I hope you enjoy. Thanks for the last. Jamie. Thank P- you, Jamie. P.S. P.S. Oh, P.S. I apologize if the Funkos have reignited any Funko Wars. <laughs> but when I stupidly ended up with extras, you guys were the first ones I thought of. Oh. Apparently, they, she pre-ordered. Okay. And uh, on the day that they were released and the order came in, a uh, 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 family member had actually bought them. Oh. And came home with them. So then she had excess. So we win. Yes, we do. The winner, Thank you, Jamie. You. Especially with, with fans like you out there. You know, Pickle Rick! I am touched in wonderful ways. I just have to point out, this This is just an example of the subtle power of Disney. All right. On the back of the package, it actually says, Star Wars restricted. Disney restricted. Rice Krispie Treats restricted. Special recipe. Ah. So that means that this is a triple licensed <laughs> pork. Aren't they all, though? Aren't and they a all? tasty one. He's already eaten, Using actual already Rice Krispies. Eaten, and he's eating the head off of his. He's already... He's dropping pork bits on the it's floor. It's already all over the floor, God. folks. <laughs> and, of course, Andy's not recording that. Now, of course. He's wearing black pants, so he's got, like, little white bits of frosting just sprinkled all over him. <sighs> oh, my God. Porgy, porgy, porgy. Uh, Jamie, thank you so much. And and yeah, Jeff's already gone to town. I I can't eat this pork. Aww. This pork will live forever, or rot on my shelf. One of one of those two things will happen. There you go. 
Stop. Darkness. You're both right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I revisited a movie I haven't seen in decades. What? Oh? Uh, I watched uh, Flash Gordon. Uh, Gordon's the, alive! The Dino De Laurentiis picture. Delightfully cheesy. Yes, it is. And that movie is a lot of fun. But that movie is all sorts of just fucked up. You really yeah. have to just switch your brain off on that one. Cause it's, it's true. It, I mean, it's it's obvious that there's barely a script there. Mm-hmm. That it's there, there's a lot of improv going on in this movie, and not good improv. Yeah. But uh, but if, <laughs> but what really saves it is the design. The design yeah. in this movie is amazing. The costumes, the sets, the 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 color palette, everything is just so much fun to look at. I will let you in on a weird little secret. Uh-oh. Never seen it. Aha! Ah! Uh-huh. <laughs> I know more about that movie from the Queen soundtrack with the little clips in it. Sure, and there's times in that. There's times in this movie that the Queen soundtrack is awesome and triumphant and perfect. And it's just in your face the yes. whole movie. And there's other moments that it's not quite right for the scene. Mm. There's, a, there's a scene where Flash is in quicksand because it's the early 80s and quicksand is still dangerous. Mm-hmm. And he's pulling himself out slowly with a root. And there's just this this weird, simplistic little rock thing happening underneath and... It, it just just doesn't work. <laughs> but then you have, of course, the scene of him flying into the lightning <laughs> shield. <laughs> so they learned their lesson by the time they did Highlander, and then actually put in some sweet little songs in there that didn't sound as heavy rock. Right. Like who wants to sure. live forever? Right. Dude, it's pre Highlander, which which I love saying. because there is a scene where Hawkman, the great Brian Blessed, yes. screams, well, who wants to live forever? <laughs> and that's, it's, yeah, and I'm like, well, that's a, that's a, that's a queen, queen callback <laughs> before there was a callback to call. Oh, my God. Yeah. It, Between Ch- our, our buddy Chad uh, used to uh, supervisor at Star Trek The Experience. That was one of his... He always would just love to turn at you and get all bug-eyed and hold up his hand and, <laughs> Gordon Salai? <laughs> yes, I remember those. <laughs> I, I had a friend, I can't remember who it was at this point, but it was one of those things that got repeated enough that it, but it was this, uh, forget it, Ming, Dale's with me. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole jump at the camera at the end. Well, Flash Gordon, you have saved the Earth. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> That was made up at that moment. They didn't know how to end the movie. Freeze, freeze in midair. Freeze the camera frame. Fade out. <laughs> it's 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 weird. And, and I dove a little bit into how this movie was made and the fact that half the crew couldn't speak to the other half because some some of the almost all the crew is Italian. A lot of the actors in english and there were some people that had to speak to each other in french because it's the only combined language they could speak and that was the screenwriter and the uh the director i believe i look nice. forward to hearing this episode and finding out what fucked up version of the flash gordon theme you found to start it with <laughs> <laughs> no promises no promises. oh probably like the marilyn manson cover did we ever tell that it, i don't have we ever told no. the story, Todd, on here when we met Sam Jones at Comic Con? Long, <laughs> I don't, I don't long. I don't want to tell the story. I don't want to tell it. We were, I we, were we were walking around the. Um, I still feel bad about this. Story. I feel bad, but the the man was just so nice. He uh, was. 
we were walking around and we were looking at all the different things at, at the different areas in the uh the sales pavilion at uh at the convention center this is and where all the celebrity autographs yeah, take exactly place. and oh, the sea of fallen stars yes <laughs> this was this was not like my before name it, by the way i think jeff's called it that <laughs> this was before it really became fallen stars because it was like a mix of both but anyway so we come over we, we see sam jones booth and we're like it's like oh man sam jones and, and we started cracking up about the movie and we were kind of making fun of it but like not not meanly making fun of it, but you know, kind of making fun of it in the sense that it's something we enjoyed, and, and also and he, ki- also yeah. kind of making fun of the fact that this Sam, that what has he done since, and this is he still, this oh, is yeah, his, and and this he's still signing mean, on. Yeah. Okay, yeah, no, there was some meanness in there. <laughs> I, I don't remember the mean parts, but okay, <laughs> no, because I remember. Now wait a minute, I were you guys bad. just talking amongst yourselves? Yeah, yeah, it was, it was an empty booth. And so we were kind of in and front we were of it just, talking. Yeah, just near he, it. He's standing right behind me, isn't he? That's yes, pretty much how that's it goes. Exactly. He oh, came up. God. He came up. He introduced oh, himself. God. He shook both of our hands. Uh, we we spoke for like a minute or two about the movie. And then he and went like, back to signing like, autographs. Like I know he heard everything <laughs> and tail between my legs. To this day, I still feel bad about it. God, I hope there's a video of that somewhere. Is he still? No, there isn't. He's still around? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was okay, in an good. episode of uh, Stargate. Because I want to meet him, and I want to get a video recording and just shake his hand, then turn to the video and goes, Jones is alive? <laughs> <laughs> well, he was in both the, the Ted movies that uh, oh, Seth MacFarlane did. Oh, shit, yeah. I, that, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Good old Seth. Ah, yes. Keeping people working. So if you haven't seen Flash Gordon, uh, I, do, I do recommend it. Bum, bum, yeah. bum, uh, just bum, bum, just bum, know bum, what you're getting bum, into. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. Try not to think that George Lucas almost made a Flash Gordon movie. Right. Uh, yes. And then gave up. I, I uh, loved the movie as a kid. It was on my friend's house all the time on <laughs> People, HBO. Yeah. And, and there was there's parts of this movie that freaked me out as a kid. Well, it's ridiculously colorful, so it's, it it's, totally attracts kids. The color didn't it. freak me out. No, I mean, oh, it, okay. it attracts kids to it. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. But but uh, there's some really gross little scenes for, for a kid to see in this when the, when a guy gets thrown on a spike. Yeah. And the eyeballs and tongue come out. There you go. Right. The the little stinging scorpion bulbous creature in the in the in the, the tree. log. Which one of my favorite scenes in that mm. movie. I still love that. Sting, sting, sting. And of course, ripping the uh, the video screen eyes off of the whatever the hell the Android things are. Okay, so what? How did you watch this? Did you is it on some streaming thing? Do you own the video? I own it on Blu-ray. Okay, so I, and I've had it for Blu-ray. a while. Ooh. So yeah, of I, I, I would like to borrow this when this film is done, so I can actually watch something. I like this plan. I, yeah. I'm definitely going to let you borrow okay. it. Yeah. Plus, there's an incredible interview on the Blu-ray with. Uh, uh, Side out, blessed. Uh, no, uh, comic writer Alex, uh, uh, not writer, uh, artist Alex Ross. Yes, Alex Ross. He did. Kirsten's, you mean, you mean per- Kirsten's, Kirsten's personal, personal friend, friend, Alex Ross. Ross. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We need to get our timing down. Yeah, yeah. really. Because I, I was going to say the exact same thing, you know, and I couldn't get it out. In the time. problem is, you saw a mouthful of, uh, of pork. Pork. Yeah. And the problem was, Andy didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> I ate my pork too fast. <laughs> yeah, uh, he loves he loves the movie, and I mean I never talked to him about it, but when I saw 
the prints that he did, I knew that he just went into that uh, drooling because sure. he because he, really he did, did design like, the cover for the Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's yeah. and so his interview. There's so much passion and love for this movie. Didn't he interview. do the movie posters for it as well? Like when the when the theatrical run was out, Alex Ross. I swear to God, there was some. No, there was an airbrush artist that did that. Yeah, I had, there, was, there was a whole book of airbrush art. Because that and was, a lot of it was tap. That was that was before Alex hit. Yeah, that movie goes back. It was 1980. Yeah, 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 yeah. Has he maybe done some artwork? Yeah, he at, did. He did. To, uh, he sense? did the, the, Besides the, cover, the cover for the Blu-ray yeah. is part of a set of prints he did. Okay. That's so, maybe so, where I'm. Yeah, and he. Confused. Yeah, I could totally see him jonesing to do that. <laughs> hey Jake, how are you? <laughs> uh, the book club. We are dis- still discussing Monster Hunter International by Larry Correa. So uh, and again, it's a long book. So join us once you have finished, uh, Shock Monkey Book Club readers. Try not to strain your eyes rolling. Mm. <laughs> and, and yes, good luck with that. <laughs> Look, but don't make your eyes strain. And uh, probably a geek he- like me is going insane. But in a couple of days, we'll probably start doing nominations for the March book. So watch for that. I'm pork crashing. <laughs> pork crash. Is <laughs> this sugar? Sugar rush is over. Ooh. What else you do this week, gentlemen? Uh, I did get caught up on Star Trek Discovery, so I have completed the season. All right. Yeah. Oh and my. I've watched eight episodes of that, Star Trek how many? Discovery. Eight. Oh, okay. Is that the halfway mid-season through climax there? Mid-season... Oh, yeah. he's, got five, he's got five more to go. Okay. So, I... You know what? You're on the Kirsten, fence. Kirsten, I'm kind of with you on Star Trek Discovery so far. Fuck, what'd I say? That it's a... It's a good sci-fi show, but it doesn't... Feel like Trek. That's how you handle them since Enterprise on. Just just do that, and you'll be you'll be fine. You'll enjoy some good science fiction, some good space opera. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I haven't watched it. One comment I've seen is some people have said it's kind of expanse ish. I don't know if it I've is. I've had that moment a lot in this. Okay. Yes, it's right. very expanse. Okay, All which right. is not necessarily a bad thing, uh-huh. but it's not a Trek thing. Right. But yeah, I would put this more toward the Expanse universe than the Drake wasn't, universe. Wasn't episode eight the the mid season finale? It should have been. I think. I think it if was. If I remember eight. correctly, because I, I think, think they did eight. the first eight and then they did nine through right. thirteen. I haven't finished it, but I've seen a promotional still that that ruins the big reveal. Oh yeah, at the end of the God, season. Yikes! Mm. People were hard, trying really hard to spoil that final episode. Yeah. Well, let's not do that. Succeeded. Although it's really funny because once I saw that still. Everything fell into place, and it was like instantly, oh, okay. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, 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 it's cool. It makes sense. Mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. happy to see the still. I haven't seen the piece yet. Mm-hmm. Neat neat bits and pieces of Revelation, though. Uh, uh, I start, uh, I think at first, maybe I maybe went through the first two of the second half. Okay. So nine and ten. And there's already weird, you know, there are twists and turns and shit happening, so... Yeah, well, you haven't got into the, the major twists and turns yet. But mm. it's cool. Mm. It's cool. It's not. It's nothing I've really connected with, and I think it's because it's a lot more plot than character development. There is a it, lot of it's plot. It's really plot-heavy. Also, I hate to do this, but she should have been a Vulcan. I, why? Why? This, this, this absurd 
prejudice of it's kind of funny too because it's trek but you gotta have a human you gotta have a human and she is so written as a vulcan she definitely is that you, why didn't you guys just make her a fucking vulcan all right lorca is your fucking human with all the human foibles you want to co- comment on and and you still you know but yeah so that's one of my major things she really is a vulcan i love lorca I, one thing that helps me in this is if you focus on Lorca and if you're watching for Jason Isaacs, yeah, then uh, then this series for me takes up a lot better. Now let me ask you, Chris. You said you're into like nine and ten. Yeah. Did you figure out the big reveal before it was revealed, or um, were you surprised when they they said, you know, I, the, the I, they reveal. said reveal reveal. I yeah. think I think. You know what? I was not terribly surprised, but at the same time, I wasn't trying to guess stuff. So maybe I was just sitting there absorbing it. So it didn't, you know, um, it's kind of weird because the production still that I'm talking about that mm-hmm. spoiled something. Yeah, yeah, watch it. I'm still going to watch this. It's, it's, it's very, that still is very like, oh, this is, this is what they're doing. Yeah. And um, so maybe there was a part of me that was sort of prepared for it. I don't know. Mm. But it, it was really funny because I was with a couple different Trek fans, and a bunch of them are like, "Well, wait, wait, are they? Are they? Did they? Did they?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And some of them weren't catching it. Some uh-huh. of them were like, "Harm." So, because I figured it out, like going into the episode nine. Wow. That's why I brought it up. Okay, you guys gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> you guys gotta stop. You're driving me nuts here. <laughs> I'm trying not to think too much about what's going on, even though I've seen oh, episode. Oh, Andy's thinking. Hey, well, Kirsten and I if, shared if, a moment this week. I'm up to nine, and I don't know what's going on. Well, okay. I was just going to say is I, I, about to happen. I, oh, I yeah. figured it out before it happened, but it did. didn't spoil the going. surprise for me. Oh, okay. So right. just, that's what I was trying it was to, an, it to was get a, at. Because it, it, it was like it was more of a confirmation. It was like, ha I was right. <laughs> I, think it's, I, I think as it goes on, I like yeah. the structure more. Right. I think how they're telling story, I like how they're developing it, really. I mean, I know you're having a hard time connecting, but you don't connect very well, Todd. I don't like people. With yeah. anything or anyone. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, as yes. I was saying, Kirsten and I shared a moment. No, time. we didn't. I wasn't there. No. Um, I can't remember when the hell I had time to do it. I was, what were we, was I eating or something? I mean, I, I was sitting on the couch for literally a half an hour. Went to play, a little bit of free time I've had. Laundry. Weren't laundry. You? I was folding laundry. <laughs> All right. And I yeah, it's was how, it's how two dudes bond, right? Laundry. Yeah, and I, uh, um, I have some. I have become gainfully partially employed, right? So I'm doing this work at home gig, ah. which is hilarious. So I actually log on to my computer and I do a couple hours of work a day, and so I've discovered I cannot sit there in silence and do this job. I have to have noise going on, and. Um, <clears throat> So I was sitting down to do some work, and Andy walks in with like a honking metric, metric shit ton of laundry. Yes, he comes in with a with a the you kind know, of laundry you have. You've been working two jobs for two weeks, and you haven't had time to sit down and do laundry. Yeah, a dump truck dumps his clean clothes into the TV room, <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you want to watch? What should we watch?" And I said, uh, "Comedians and Cars, getting coffee." And the Seinfeld series, yeah, on Netflix, and it's. There's some really funny bits. You know, we watched uh, we watched uh, Brian Burr, Bill who, Burr, Bill Burr. Excuse me, Brian Burr. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Bill Burr. Fucking killing me. Oh, God. Andy and I laughed so goddamn hard when at one point uh, Jerry's asking him, you know, what? what is it? What's the hate on Massachusetts and Boston? What's the problem? They're like, I don't know. I don't know. It's a great state. And they're like, and and Burr is like, yeah, Boston. It's you know, blah blah. blah. It, it's like a racist San Francisco. <laughs> and, and, and Seinfeld starts laughing, and Burr's like, yeah, you get your sailboat. You're on the pier. You just throw in the N word, and you got it. <laughs> wow. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> so that's all fun, and then we hit somebody we'd never heard of before. Miranda sings. Miranda sings. Yes. And we're both gobsmacked and staring at going, what in God's name are we watching? We're, we're, we're trying to figure out who this is. Is this a stand-up comedy? It start, uh, the, the you mean the show? The no, show no. itself is literally Jerry picking someone up in a car. Oh, no, okay. This is part, still part. I thought you went to a whole different no, no. show. No, 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 no. This gotcha. is Jerry interviewing Miranda Sings. Oh, okay, okay. And it opens with him calling on the phone. Hey, I'm a, I'm on the, I'm on my way over. Want to get some coffee? And they're like, Yeah, sure. And this this voice is coming on, and weird character attitude. And Andy and I are both racking our brains trying to figure out who the fuck she is. She's a YouTube personality. Okay, yeah, fictional character yep. created by Colleen Ballinger, mm-hmm. and it it's it, it's it's hilarious because. She plays this really obnoxious, not likable person who's very weird in personality. Are you sure you're famous? I don't know who you are. Yeah, really. You know, Jerry, I never heard of you before. If I'm going to help you become famous, you're going to have to work with me here, you know, and she's just and she just mangles English with a weird nasally uh, regional she accent. She can get away with it because she's attractive. Yeah. <laughs> What's but her name again? Miranda Sings. Miranda Sings. And she does these short three-minute YouTube videos. She's been doing them for 10 yeah. years now. Um, and she has a large following now. And actually, the character is built on the hate. Because apparently, <laughs> apparently, she was doing obnoxious girl vids just as jokes with her friends. And people started picking up on it and treating her like she was a real person. So she just capitalized and started oh, wow. exaggerating, every, and now she's created every complaint she got from somebody. She pushed that thing harder. Yeah, oh, they didn't like her wow. lipstick, so she does this. You know the over the lip lipstick, yeah. the she extremely had, smeared. Yeah, oh, yep. way over the top. Yeah, yeah. and they go, it goes through the whole thing when she is just being obnoxious, and eventually Jerry stayed is, in character, stayed the in character the whole time, and Jerry is like Jerry is playing along with it, but still being annoyed by it because he's. You can tell he really wants to be out of character at yeah, some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's straight man, and he's yeah. annoyed as hell. But he's totally rolling with it at the same time. Yeah, and it, was, it was a very, it was a very uh, giving. Uh, he, was, he was he was giving a lot for the comedy. Yeah, so it was a very special episode. Yes, a lot of getting. Yeah, and then at the end of it, uh, after they close and end post credit scene, they'll do a they'll do a stinger with. He does this with all the guests, and then hers was. Uh, Bollinger's taking off the makeup and talking normal, and uh, they just do a quick, you know, back and forth in that. So you see, you see that she's doing a character. We did a YouTube search and we discovered that she's like appeared on Kimmel. Uh, oh, wow. I'm sorry, Fallon. Fallon. A couple oh, times. Okay. And um, 
so it's a it would we discovered that you know Andy and I got hip, and she's not doing <laughs> she's not doing any any particular accent. She's created her own accent. Yeah, yeah. And some words she just gets wrong and will refuse to get them right, like attractive and quinchins. And, You're supposed and, to ask me quinchins. And and Seinfeld, he's perfect because she'll be just like, you need to ask me quinchins. And he's like, yeah, well, I, wh- what did you say? <laughs> yeah, that's quinchins. Right. What? <laughs> and yeah, he just he he straight mans it perfect. Yep. Just just vintage. Yeah. Yep. But they're funny. We also watched the Larry David. Oh yeah. Which was that. which was not what you would expect. No. No. Larry David uh, seems very likable and pleasant. Yeah, yeah. He's laughing. They're talking <laughs> amiably. It was really funny because I'm so used to grumpy David, you know, that it the, was the actually. Char- the, the Larry David character. Exactly. Yeah. That Larry David, the person, he just would not stop smiling. Because mm-hmm. he, he's in interview. I remember like seeing interviews for Seinfeld and stuff. And just I'm like, my only exposure to Larry David was his show on HBO yeah. that I cannot watch. I right. just, I can't watch it's it. It's rough, yeah. And then seeing him in these interviews and talking lovingly about Jerry and about doing the show together and all this stuff, and it's just like, it's a character. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, right. That whole yeah. epiphany thing. He actually, uh, there's a spit take. Actually, Jerry catches him. I forget what the line even fucking was. I can't was. remember what it was, but he has an actual spit take. He's, he's sipping on some coffee, and he actually turns and... <laughs> and about uh, a minute later, Kirsten did the same thing. <laughs> oh. Kirsten did an actual spit take uh, during the Larry I, David You know, thing. it's funny. You do these things, and then you don't even remember what the hell brought him on. Right. But I, I, I totally laughed right in mid-drink, and I choked. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. That's that's high praise. That's yeah. a, it, was, it was funny. That's the blurb. Yeah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> <laughs> it nearly killed me. So but yeah, yeah. I, I, can't, I can't, I can't praise that show more enough. It's, it's just, uh, it's um, it's a set format, but within that set format, everybody he does is completely different. It's just wonderfully bizarre in that small oh, format. God. He he has this one uh, French Moroccan. Or Algerian, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, a the, comedian the, 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 on the, the French Jerry, the French Jerry Seinfeld, the French Jerry Seinfeld. That's oh, what that's is what he's known. A Gad, um, Gad something. You're right. Yeah. Gad is his first name. And so, so Jerry gets this 1950s Citroen car, which is oh like a, a two cylinder. Yeah. Yeah. It's a two cylinder shoe with wheels, <laughs> and the thing is stalling. The thing is conking out in the middle of New York. Finally. The, the the guest, Gad, actually says, I want to get out of the car. <laughs> and Jerry's like, I'm trying to pull us over because they're stuck in the middle of the street. It was actually pretty funny. Huh. It was good. I'll have yeah. to give it another shot. Yeah. Anything else, gents? Nope. What good, because I got news. News you don't give a shit about. Woohoo! He's not his phone. Yeah, no, no. He, nope. he doesn't care. I, I know. You fooled me twice. Fame on you. <laughs> What? Wait, what? <laughs> it's fool you twice, shame on me. Oh, that explains so much. <laughs> Gad Emela. <sighs> Elmela. Elmela. Paul King. No. Gad Elmela. <laughs> God, how'd you screw that one up, Todd? That's not the way you pronounce King at all. <laughs> Paul King, who directed both Paddington and Paddington 2, is in talks to helm Willy Wonka, 
Warner Brothers' new film adaptation of Roald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. How many of these are there going to be? As many as it takes. If King takes the directing gig, he'll be teaming up with his producer from Paddington Films, David Heyman. Uh, Simon Rich from, did, uh, from Saturday Night Live has written the script for the project. This would be, of course, the latest revamp of Dahl's book about the eccentric chocolate maker. Gene Wilder played him in 1971's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and Johnny Depp did his version in 2005. <laughs> I like how you put that. He did his version. We needed Willy Wonka with a backstory. Uh, Willy Wonka represents the latest creative overhaul from Warner Brothers when it comes to finding new takes on some of their classic titles. Oh, boy. This includes a Guillermo del Toro pen script for one of Dahl's other novels, The Witches, which is still seeking a director. They already made The Witches, too. It was pretty good. Those, but, uh, now there's gonna. Yeah. What about Phantom Tollbooth? Is that Roald Dahl? That's not Roald Dahl. Well, who is that? I don't remember who that one is. James and the Giant Peach. That that's Roald Dahl. Him, and that one they did. It was animated and it was great. Yeah. So we need another. Did everybody so hear? Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. I know that's Ian, Ian Fleming. Fleming. <laughs> did I? Did everybody here see the Johnny Depp? Um, no version. Yes, I did. Yeah, I was going to, but I didn't. I was not a fan. No, I don't think no, many no. were. Yeah. I, I, there, I can't think of many people's like, I love that version. There are some elements of it that are closer to the book than the uh, sure. wild version. Sure, that's what I heard, yeah. Right. But that doesn't make it better. <laughs> no. It's, and, and, of course, I'm you know biased because I love the Gene Wilder version so much. Everybody right. loves so it the doesn't, Gene Wilder you know, version. So when you have that different of a take of... Uh, the, the Tim Burton take. The yeah. Tim Burton take. And, and, and I'm a fan of Burton. Yep. But uh, it just, of course, it didn't work for me, and it didn't work for many. But uh, they're going to do it again, What, whatever that's going to mean. Burton has turned into so hit or miss with me over the last, you know, decade and a half. Although I will say Deep Roy, the, the one that plays yes. all of the Oompa Loompas all the in Oompa the Johnny Depp version, yep. uh, was in, it was fun to see him shortly, <laughs> in uh, Flash Gordon. Oh yeah, uh, he's in that. Yes, oh. he is in that. Okay. He's also in the barely, but he's in it. The J.J. Abrams Trek too. He's Keezer. Oh yeah, that's right. Keenzer Norton Juster. There's an N in there, I think. Uh, you also might know uh, Deep Roy if you watched uh, Neverending Story as the yes. Snail Rider. Yep. So ah, okay, he's he's Phantom been in a lot of things. By Norton Juster. Oh, a lot of things. Thank you, Norman Jester. Norton Juster. Norton. Norton. Yeah. Norton. A name that does not stick in my head at all, so I don't think I've ever seen it. (laughs) I've seen the name Phantom Tobolt a zillion times, but never seen Norton Juster does not stick in my head at all. I think I read it in the sixth grade. Yeah. News you don't give a shit about David S. Goyer has bowed out. Not pumpkins? As the director of Masters of the Universe. Oh. Goyer, a go-to genre writer and producer, has left the He-Man reboot because he simply has too much work on his plate. Ah, a likely story. Uh, Goyer is presently, quote, enmeshed in a work, uh, in his work on Foundation, the miniseries adaptation ah. of Isaac Asimov's science fiction trilogy, okay. right. and won't be able to juggle both projects. Well, unquote. there you go. You know, if you got to choose one of the two, I think he chose right. There you go. <laughs> He's also the creator and executive producer behind Sci-Fi's upcoming Superman prequel series, Krypton. Yep. Mm. So Sony reportedly was set to begin casting Masters of the Universe just as Joy, uh, Go- Joyer, Goyer 
Let's go with David S. Pumpkins. <laughs> Inform wow. the studio of his decision, adding a fresh layer of urgency to the film's production schedule. Uh, the movie is currently set to release in December of 2019. Although Sony will have to scramble to land a new director, Goyle, Goyer will maintain his <laughs> executive producer. Goyam? <laughs> you say Goyam? <laughs> Oi! Will maintain his other commitments to the project as a screenwriter and executive producer. Uh, Goyer already had submitted a script for the film late last year and shared an update on the movie's character design only a couple of weeks ago. Mm. Hmm. So, back to the Well, that opens course. it up for uh, Michael Bay to do. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine Paul yeah. finding out Michael Bay is going to direct? There's only Master one way to make it worse for him. <laughs> yeah. Mick G. Well, it was originally Mick G. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh. He, he was, was the first one attached. He was so dejected when he heard that. He's yeah. like, no, no, no. <laughs> That's great, though. David Goiter sticking out his neck. <laughs> Mm. Weekend gig. Yeah, I got that one. <laughs> oh, sure, when you're safe. Although these first two are the cuspers, so. Is it uh, safe? Okay. I went to the dentist today, but it was just. No, is that what? Uh, yeah. yeah. Teeth cleaning. Got a marathon man every time you go to get your teeth cleaned. Yes. My, my dentists are actually getting young enough now that I make that joke and they just look at me like mm. I'm weird. God, they must be tired of that joke at this point. Yeah. <laughs> By God. All dentists. <laughs> According to a report from Collider, Hasbro allegedly announced during its investor preview at the 2018 Toy Fair in New York that the Transformers film franchise is going to get a complete overhaul, meaning the, that last year's Transformers, The Last Night, will mark the end of the current run of films and that a proposal, proposed Transformers 6 will be abandoned with the upcoming Bumblebee to be the last iteration of this particular version of the universe. None of this has been made officially public by either Hasbro or Paramount, the toy titan's partner on the Transformers movies, although as of now it appears that Transformers 6 has been taken off the studio's schedule. This probably also means the end of Michael Bay's involvement, as well, after he directed all five of the movies in the series so far, which have earned more than $4 billion worldwide. According to Transformer World, Hasbro's presentation made it clear that, quote, a new team at Paramount will reset the Transformers live-action movie series following the release of Bumblebee the movie, unquote. I was waiting for that sentence and a new team of robots, because <laughs> I know that's a lot of this. They are going to come up with a bunch of new robots to sell a bunch of different new toys. Well, it's uh, interesting. I was watching a video on uh, YouTube the other day, and I, I, I want to say it was Screen Junkies, but I'm not 100% what channel um, I was on at that point. But they were actually talking about the Transformers movie franchise and how Michael Bay is actually now a victim of its success because... He's like for the last three films said that that was going to be his last film, mm. but they keep dragging him back in, and you know, so it's like, yeah, but a now, lot of don't feel too sorry for him, but remember that he's also a victim of the success, and they actually break down why the films are so bad and why it's bad for cinema that these films keep succeeding and making all this money, and that once they do lose their sheen, that 
they're going to have to reboot it. So that's Charlie Sheen fascinating. won't be doing them anymore. Oh no. no. Damn. But that is, it's fascinating that, that that's something that now is being It's very dangerous proposed. for him. I heard the other day when he opened his garage, all the money that came out <laughs> nearly suffocated him. Well, what, but what he was referring to is like, he's like, we're never going to have an original Michael Bay project again because he gets getting dragged back right. to do Transformers, so he can't do You keep saying that projects. dragged back thing, and all I can think of is Michael Bay's Scarface. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> And and it was and what was that an alien? That was an explosion. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't Scarface. It was Michael Corleone. Uh, that's what I was like. I'm like, are you talking? Every time I want to get out, they, they keep dragging me back, back in. in. <laughs> Say hello to my little friend. This from Scarface too. Yeah, but dragging me back in is is uh, Godfather. I know. Godfather you, three, you right? Know. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Godfather three, wasn't it? Yeah, like the, right. The it wasn't even like I couldn't <laughs> dare say Michael Bay is Godfather. That's just wrong. Wow. Yeah. Francis Ford Coppola just grabbed his balls. <laughs> He's like, ow. Hell, <laughs> Sophia Coppola God just grabbed it. her balls after that. <laughs> Honey, can you feel this? Something feels funny. He's like, no, don't worry. They're just talking about Michael Bay. I will say a lot of actors and directors use that whole... Uh, this is going to be my last one as a negotiation tactic. Oh, yeah. for, so I mean, well, that's that's what uh, what's uh, well, Daniel I mean, Craig did for James yeah, Bond. Yeah, yeah, but well, Craig, I can understand because the man has had to have surgery like three times <laughs> as a result of the punishment that he takes. If on If he those wanted films. out, he would have gotten out. No, that's what oh, I'm yeah. saying. Is I like, I think that he gets to the end in that post production mindset, and he's like, "Fuck, this was just." insane sure punishing and i don't ever want to do anything like that again but then yeah, but, then, but, but then but then they, they make a cast out of thousand dollar bills and yeah yeah and then well, they're like you, well maybe i'll do another one you, like, you just you like, got to be careful it doesn't backfire though i mean when i did that super dave uh tv special way back in the 90s i i tried to negotiate with this is my last one i'm retiring now and nobody called so that was it you gotta have some, some cachet um, yeah, you're gonna have to tell that story again because nobody remembers. Yeah, that. I'm like, I'm, I, I'm, I'm baffled by your story as well. <laughs> Kirsten, tell what? us, tell us your Jeff, Super Dave with story. your film knowledge. No, my uh, Taft Hartley into SAG was a Super Dave special that was done here in Vegas. Right. The old Showtime the, Super the, Dave the, Osborne. Yeah, and oh. it was it was actually funny. This is how far back it goes. It was Clinton's campaign stop yeah. in vegas wow one of the the riffs on the joke was dave is doing this big stunt super dave is like an evil knievel type big stunt guy where the stunts always go wrong he always he, go he's wrong. also one of the one of the the first recurring jerk characters where he plays the persona of a complete jerk. Didn't right. it start on um, David Letterman and then rolled into its Maybe. own showtime? I know he thing, appeared on Letterman, and Letterman played off it a lot. They were really great. And he's uh, Dave is Bob Einstein, uh, which is Albert, Albert Brooks' brother. Einstein's brother, yeah. who is known as Albert Brooks. But yeah, I actually was playing a security guard background character, and they pulled me to deliver a line. Which you know made me uh, eligible for Screen Actors Guild, and I I jumped on it and joined Screen Actors Guild instantly, and never did anything in Vegas again. <laughs> and the line was line was, 
Security. There's a bunch of security at the casino. This is at the That's Rio. That's a weird line. No, I know. I know. It's very complicated <laughs> too. And I had story. to memorize it instantly. But the security at Rio Casino because Clinton's coming through town, and so Dave is like, "Yeah, the security here from my stunt is crazy," and he's being interviewed with somebody as he's walking through the uh, the casino. And in the casino, it's like he's he's just walking past. Uh, a bunch of machines and somebody grabs his hand and fingerprints him he's walking past another machine and they take a mug shot and he goes through another scene and he's like we're making sure that the security is top-notch and nothing is being left to chance and i pop in and reach down off screen as though i'm cupping him and go excuse me sir turn your head and cough and he's like and i'm like thank you and then I backed off. And I delivered that with the usual Kirsten Bland mm-hmm. um, panache that you guys seem to like so yeah. much. The dry. And um, that was my moment. Did so two ex- takes. I got it in two. It's glorious. So the important question, how big were Super Dave's balls? Yeah. <laughs> it was so damn funny because they're like, you. Re- the director even said, you reach down like you're cupping him. And it, it's off camera. And then you – and then – and then – and he's a tall fucker. Mm-hmm. That guy's like yeah. half a head taller than me. So he looks down at me and goes, don't really cut me. <laughs> and I'm like, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. I won't. <laughs> it was great. You missed your so, moment. It was a lot. Yeah, I know. I, my brush with greatness and I didn't even brush. Uh-huh. According to series creator George R.R. R. Martin, the sixth novel in the Game of Thrones series will be delayed even no, further, no, you're kidding. Even further, as he is currently working on his spin-off books about the history of the Targaryen family, Fire oh, no. and Blood. <laughs> oh no! Quote: Most of Fire and Blood consists of the sidebars I originally wrote for A World of Ice and Fire. Wrote Martin on his blog. Abridged versions of some of those pieces appeared as novellas: The Princess and the Queen, The Rogue Prince, and The Sons of the Dragon. But these are the full versions, together with some chapters that have never appeared anywhere. Unquote. Oh, good God! Wait until wait until until you die for the Silmarillion to come out. Ugh. When asked by a fan how this spinoff series would affect the release of uh, the, the books. The 69-year-old writer revealed that Fire and Blood is planned as two volumes, and he's close to finishing volume one. After that, he intends to return to the sixth Game of Thrones book, and once that's done, pivot back to volume two of Fire and Blood. As a result, readers probably won't get an update on the literary version of Westeros before the HBO show finishes up in 2019. It's funny that, that the show's going to finish up, and yeah. I wonder how that's going to affect readership. Because a lot of people it probably won't be done by 2019. He's just what like six books he has listed, right? He's uh, he, never going to be done. He plans an end to a song of ice and fire after seven books. Sure, uh, that's going to be the winds of winter, the next one, and then the final one, a dream of spring. Yeah, I bet you a dream of spring is going to turn out to be a trilogy. <laughs> probably septology. Wow. Now, of course, he considers these books much the same way that Tolkien. Did Lord of the Rings. It's a singular book, just been cut up into volumes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So another thing I did this week, this geeky, is I went to a Meow Wolf meeting 
that I can't talk about because God of damn it. Yeah. Then why are you talking about it? Well, I can tell you for that, the same reason you you brought up at that the you location. Knew how Star Trek was going to work <laughs> at the location where they're going to have the building. There is a robot sculpture laying on his back that has a has a clue to it. They have to. There's a puzzle in the in the thing, and it's laying in the parking lot right now. Parking lot where? A dirt lot, basically underneath Di, kind of near where Scandia used to be in that, in that area. Underneath Desert Inn Road. Yes, there used to be a miniature golf fun land called Scandia, which is now a playground for people with giant earth moving machines where you can go play in a bulldozer. Or, yes. Yeah. Okay, that's something I didn't even know. It's existed. called. You didn't dig, know that. It's called Dig This. I've yeah. never heard of Dig This. Yeah. It literally is um, an earth mover playground. A bunch of cats. Yes. <laughs> a bunch of cat machines that you can pay your way, and you just go play pretend with like you're a construction worker. Sponsored by or, Tonka, or yeah. smack cars around. Well, yeah, yeah. So this is basically my nine-year-old dreams come reality. I'm surprised yeah. you didn't know about it. I don't know yeah. about what I do now. Now yeah. I'm very happy that yeah. I know about it. Well, yeah. You but, so, but somewhere amongst these... Someday within the next year or so, you'll be able to go down and smack you know cars around with a backhoe and then go to Meow Wolf Las Vegas. But this robot is somewhere in that area. Yes. And it's and, and I, I haven't gone back in the daylight to see it because I was there at night. Uh, but I, I another th- text that got him on a watch list. <laughs> right. um, but I think it's an open. I think it's in an open lot. I think you can walk out to it. I intend to try and check it out during the day when I have a spare moment. When I'm not working or making a movie. And this is a puzzle about what the meow wolf structure is going to be about. I don't know. I couldn't figure out the puzzle. I didn't have time. Okay. All right. I'm and it curious. was dark. I mean, I'm always curious with meow wolf, especially mm-hmm. this whole Vegas thing. So that's a lot of information about stuff you couldn't talk about. That, that was all that stuff was all the stuff I talked about was public. Okay, the stuff I can't talk about, I didn't talk about. All right. <laughs> yeah. So there. I believe you this time. <laughs> Disney's Black Panther shattered box office records with an estimated two hundred thirty-five million dollars in the U.S. and Canadian ticket sales Woo-hoo. for the four-day holiday weekend. The film exceeded expectations, set records for a February opening, and for a President's Day weekend debut. The previous record holder was Deadpool, which made $152 million domestically over the four-day holiday. So nearly a $100 million beat. Yowza. Boom. Uh, Black Panther is the fifth highest domestic opening weekend of all time, behind only Star Wars The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, Jurassic World, and Marvel's The Avengers. The prevailing belief among some in Hollywood has been that movies with mostly black casts don't do well at the foreign box office, but Disney reported $169 million in international ticket sales, a figure expected to climb drastically when Black Panther opens up in major markets including China, Japan, and Russia. Uh, black Panther also had IMAX's biggest weekend ever, bringing in $35 million glo- globally from 676 screens. Yeah, um... In addition to that, uh, AMC Theaters, I think it was, um, it like broke like all of their box office records for wow. a sing- for a single movie at like something like thirty three of their theaters. They own like a bunch of theaters too. Well, AMC. A, well, they. I don't know. They. There were a bunch who, of buyouts. Who, who are they? There were a bunch of buyouts. I mean, tons of theaters across the country. There were people were doing complete buyouts of theaters to. Well, I was also seeing. 
pictures of marquees of movie times. Yeah. Where it's almost all, the entire theater is nothing but black people. The whole, yeah. <clears throat> and and like the full on multiplex, like like twelve theaters, all Black Panther and stuff like that. Yeah, it's insane. Sure. Yeah, Hollywood Reporter. It says it right here. It says uh, Black Panther is the top grossing film at eighty of the AMC theaters. Wow, that's a lot of theaters. Wow, they must nice. be the ones doing all Black Panther showings. Although, yeah, because it started off. It says first it says it was at thirty three theaters, but then at the weekend. Uh, Revenue records climbed to 80 locations. Ooh. That's that's wow. insane. Oh, yeah, man. All right. But I am reminded about how Disney is starting to strong arm theaters and, yes. and how they're kind of taking over what theaters can show and how long they show it. So, yeah, that makes me nervous. Yeah, that's... Minimum of four screens for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Disney announced it is launching an all-new series of Star Wars movies penned and produced by the creators of HBO's Game of Thrones. Wow. The new film series will be jointly led by Game <laughs> of Thrones' David Beninoff and D.B. Weiss. Finally get to see Luke and Leia really kiss. Good point. Uh, whom Disney's Kathleen Kennedy described as, quote, some of the best storytellers working today, unquote. Uh, the film series, according to Disney, will be all new, Completely separate from the mainline Skywalker, Skywalker. What's my my mouth? Yeah, you've done it. Skywalker, Skywalker saga. saga of the Star Wars films, as well as the Ryan Johnson helmed new Star Wars film cycle, the studio announced in late 2017. The announcement wasn't accompanied with any word of production timeline or release date. So this is all we have so far. So main storyline: these adjunct movies, Solo. Uh, Rogue One. Rogue One. The Ryan Johnson new set of films, and now the Game of Thrones set. Mm. We get a lot of Star Wars movies. Oh, yeah. Winter is really coming. <laughs> it's going to be a Hoth movie, isn't it? It's yes. It's going to be a Hoth film. All right. All Hoth all the time. Character actor Mickey Jones, who enjoyed a lengthy career spanning music, television, and film, has passed away following an extended illness. Jones was 76 years old. Jones had a memorably tough visage. Uh, genre fans may remember him as the burly minor character in Paul v uh, Verhoeven's original Total Recall, in mm. which he encountered Quaid, played by Arnold Schwarzenegger, on the Mars-bound train. Uh, Jones also played Chris Faber in the television miniseries V, Leading to leading resistance teams on Earth in the struggle against the series' signature lizard-like alien invaders, his career, though never defined by genre, Jones has turns in television projects varied as uh, Chip, Charlie's Angels, Alf, The A Team, Baywatch, Northern Exposure, and reoccurring roles as Peter Bilker in Home Improvement and Rodney Hot Rod Durham in Justified. Uh, I, okay, now I know who you're talking I, about. I now. particularly oh. remember remember him from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation after they repair the family truckster, and yeah. he says, "How much does it cost?" And he says, "How much you got?" That's him. Mm -hmm. Yep, biker looking guy. Biker looking yes. guy. Yeah. Oh, he was uh, Michael Ironside's partner in V. Yep. yep. Yes. The, okay, I rem that's where I remember him from, just because I remember watching V. And they show up and start kicking ass, and I'm like, "Wow, oh, that's that's a weird 
That's a weird kind of character to have kicking ass, you know, the bad guy's ass. Mm -hmm. He usually would be, you know, you expect him to be the bad guy or something. And, and it's, but, but it was just like, oh, wow, that's, that was, that was unconventional enough for me that I, I took note. So fairly well. Yeah. You enjoyed for decades. My Thank friend. you, Mickey. Uh, speaking of Mickey, we're now starting to see how Disney will approach the rollout of its streaming service. In a quick first look outline of Disney's launch strategy, De Deadline reported there won't be any R-rated content on the family-friendly platform. Ooh. And that Disney has no immediate plans to yank its roster of Marvel shows from Netflix once the new service goes live in 2019. Well, of course it's not going to yank its roster. It said no, no R-rated films. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, mature stuff. Mm -hmm. The studio has yet to pinpoint the potential price point for the unnamed streaming service, but it will apparently be set to complete, compete with Netflix. Uh, this means shows like The Defenders, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and The Punisher look to stay put at Netflix for the foreseeable future. Oh, The Punisher's more than R? It, just a little. It's, just okay. a little. It's, if, well, it's, if it's, they wouldn't have dialed back on that blood just a little bit. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. That certainly dovetails with Disney's early decision to keep edgier material like Jessica Jones and the Punisher off its new platform. The report does note, though, that Disney has at least one new live action show planned for the Marvel Universe, though Disney so far hasn't indicated what Marvel property it's targeting. The report further reveals a one a day one programming lineup that features a number of streaming only shows and one off movie projects, including the live action Star Wars series first announced in late 2017. Disney also recently revealed it has more than one Star Wars property landing on the service, but no word yet on what if they'll be ready for launch. Some of the content planned for the service appears to center on projects that already have been announced as upcoming Disney feature films. These include a fantasy-heavy adaptation of Don Quixote, scripted by Billy Ray, originally announced more than a year ago, Magic Camp, the Jeffrey Tambor-starring uh, comedy feature that entered production in January of 2018, and Noel, a Christmas comedy that entered production in summer of 2017. Other movie projects, and the report indicates, are still in the early planning stages, but Disney appears to have already singled them out as must-haves for launch day. These include Lady and the Tramp, The Paper Magician, Stargirl, Three Men and a Baby, and The Sword in the Stone for TV, this Star Wars live-action show, the animated series based on Monsters, Inc., a series based on High School Musical, and, of course, the still mysterious Marvel TV project. Ah. So that's where they're at as far as what they've announced. Finally, damage control, right? Yeah, Forbes, yes. there was an article in Forbes about uh, how with all the constant media acquisitions that Disney keeps doing, that they could literally put Netflix out of business in like 10 years of all the streaming They'll services we've mentioned over the years here. This is the one that makes more sense. They certainly have the content sitting around. Well, I, talking about buying Netflix, it's been rumored for like the last six months that Apple was going to try to buy Netflix fuck Apple. to, to bolster its own streaming. That'll get service. us. Uh, Netflix so you'll stories. have to buy a new Netflix every uh, three years. And it'll cost $700 yeah. to do it. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Although, if the Disney streaming service is not doing adult content, right, 
they're what not going to put Netflix out of business. That, that, right now. that would be why they buy Netflix. Yeah. And then Netflix keeps the adult stuff. Sure. I could see that acquisition, but I can't see them putting it out of business. Netflix. Yeah. I, and, and Netflix is starting to move more towards original content versus, you know, that, that alone is why they're going to buy Netflix. I think yeah. all because the Netflix will be all original content. Right. They'll be like, oh, look at this successful shit. It's true. That's true. That aren't, could happen. Aren't all the streaming services with all their new original content, aren't they all running deeply in the red now because of that? Um, yes and no. Depends on the service. A lot of them, they have just enough subscribers and that they're, that they're in the black. But then when you add in, like, say like Hulu and CBS All Access, and a lot of them have a a two-tier system where you have the limited commercial interruption and then you have the no commercials. Now, the limited commercial interruption, because of what the advertisers are paying, they're actually generating a profit. So, I mean, shoot, Star Trek Discovery was completely paid for from advertising sold before it even aired on... Or no, they, before they, it even streamed on Matt's CBS Matt's not All here, Access. so I will I'll fill in for him. It's all your fault, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it's my, all your fault. Actually, actually it's Netflix's fault because yeah. what Netflix fixed. Netflix. Jesus Christ, I'm missing. I need I, my Netflix, man. I, I was going to say, I think you got it right. Your Netflix. Get me my Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> How my much options do you have before the show? My mouth is missing, missing consonants. Netflix paid so much to run it internationally that they basically paid $6.5 million per episode is what it came down to. And I think it cost $8 million per episode when it, the final running cost tally happened. So what, which what Star Trek discovery. Oh, okay. Every episode costs about $8 million. Okay. Netflix paid $6.5 million per episode to run it internationally. Oh, the international run. Those yes. fuckers, yeah. That goes on top of what, because it was broadcast fully on another channel in Canada. Right. So there were this cost there. So that's what he's talking about, that it was already yeah. paid for prior to, right. just based on the licensing. So <clears throat> Bullshit. So if I went to Mexico and got on my Netflix account, could I watch Discovery? Yes. All right. Not your road not, trip. No, not, I don't think yours. I think you have to get Netflix. Oh, I have to get Mexico. Mexican Netflix. Yes. Log on. Yes. From oh, damn. <laughs> this isn't working. So Why? much for that scam. Yeah, Calls tech support. Yeah. Hola. Yeah, in, in England. In England. Uh, well, I that's, speak English. That's, that's good. I could do that one. No, as I was saying, but in England, that's where that's how they get Discovery is, is on Netflix. Yeah, really? I'm sorry. You a yank. <laughs> uh, uh, no. Pip, pip. Jolly, jolly. <laughs> Can I? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Fuck. See, see, Andy would hey. be fine because he mumbles enough. They would ah, think he. They would. think I was Welsh. Yes. Blah <laughs> <laughs> blah blah blah. Oh, we'll get that fixed for you right away, sir. <laughs> Talk about your lack of consonants. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but consonants. We just lost our whole UK. Uh, That's right. Our Welsh, our Welsh contingent is gone. Chris, uh, I know you're still there. I know you're there, Chris. I will say I did a deep dive on what CBS All Access had to offer besides Star Trek. Does it? And they have uh, various tabs. Uh, they have a movie tab that had exactly three movies on it. Yes. Ow. Three movies. Uh, they had a classic. How many were Pippi's Longstocking? Here's the thing that 
would have made me more interested in CBS All Access mm-hmm. is that they have a classics tab. Okay. So I wanted to see what classic CBS shows. All, I want classics to see, and tab I, is all something very soda related. I want to see some deep dives. I want to see some not so successful shows. But every single show in the classics tab yeah. is all big time classics going back to the odd couple. Yeah, they have a ton of TV series in there. So no Sheriff Lobo. But you're you're absolutely right. Not not anything that wasn't a success. Car fifty four, where are you? Blansky's beauties. Uh, and ninety percent of them are CBS owned properties, and then they have a few that they license out. See, I, th- I think it would do them well to deep dive into their own archive, right. And just digitize a whole bunch of forgotten shows just for nostalgia's sake. Aside from probably okay, there's probably issues with the uh, uh, hot contra- contracts on that. Well, yeah, they, they've been CBS has been running into a lot of licensing issues with the split with Paramount because yeah, even though Paramount retains movie rights to you know, a lot of the stuff that was co-produced, there are certain TV shows that ended up falling under the, the Paramount umbrella. So, but it's all going to be moot if they remerge soon anyway. So I'm yeah. three failed TV shows up on you, Kirsten. What? I'm three failed TV shows up on you, Kirsten. We're na- going back and forth naming failed TV shows for all, and you stopped. Yes. What? Yeah. I was like, I got engrossed with what no. Jeff and Todd were talking about. Well, that's not the game. I know, but it happened. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, it was terrible. Mm. I'm like, wow, I'm learning something The odd couple, the here. black version. Oh. Well, I, I was going to say failed. Odd couple wasn't a failure. No, the black version failed. That didn't last a season. Who was in that? Ron Glass. He did both wow. parts? Right. Mm. I forgot about that. Wow. wow. Yeah. yeah. He must have been Felix. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Glass from Firefly. Yes. From well, Barney Ron Glass, Miller. Barney Miller. And Barney Miller. Oh, for fuck's sake. I'm don't trying, don't I'm even trying. try to play young. I'm trying to hip it up for... for <laughs> hip it up for our young For all viewers. the young dudes. <laughs> <laughs> if you can get on the YouTube tear, I can get in Firefly. <laughs> Miranda Singh hates my Barney Miller. I'll bet she does. Yeah. I'll bet she does. Only What's because some, one of her commenters... What's this stuff? Fangoria Magazine, the nearly 40-year-old horror magazine, is returning. Yay! Entertainment company has a streaming channel. <laughs> pro- oh, oh, oh! You're no. probably not far Damn it! Off. Work, but it was almost. That was so close. That was close. Dick. You would have gotten Matt. <laughs> An online-only digital magazine. Entertainment company Cinestate has bought Fangoria and all related assets from the Brooklyn company after Cinestate CEO Dallas Sonier courted the... What? what? Cinestate! What? What? I hunger. <laughs> what are you losing it over? Is, are you telling me it is too close to Cinestar yes. for you? <laughs> it's one letter off! Cinestate's... Uh, Two Sin- letters off, but all right. Well, for Andy, that's one and, letter. Andy can't count. <laughs> uh, after Sinistar CEO Dallas Sonier courted My the hunger. previous t- publisher Thomas DeFeo for months, the two have Run. signed. The t- I'm gonna. The two have signed an agreement to turn the rights over to Sonier and Sinistate. <laughs> 
Sonier tapped film writer Phil Noble Jr. as editor-in-chief of Fangoria magazine. Uh, Noble, former editor-at-large for the website Birth Movies Death and writer-producer for Stage 3 Productions in Philadelphia, will also be creative director for the entire Fangoria brand. Quote, quote, there needs to be a Fangoria, said Noble in a news release issued by Cinestate. The magazine was a constant presence in the genre since 1979, then one day it was gone, unquote. Billed as the first fright in 1979, Vangoria magazine garnered a reputation as the world's definitive horror publication at the height of its popularity. The magazine rose to prominence by running exclusive interviews with horror filmmakers and offering behind-the-scenes photos and stories. But in February 2017, the movie's then-owners announced the departure of editor-in-chief Ken Hanley. Since then, Fangoria has not named an official editor, and no new issues were published. Saulnier said in a statement he is, quote, fully committed to restoring faith in Fangoria with the horror fan community and is looking to bring previous Fangoria contributors back into the tent for future collaborations. The magazine's new owner also plans to develop Fangoria into a brand for producing movies and podcasts, as well as publishing horror novels. The magazine will be brought back as print quarterly in the first issue set for fall. Cool. That was one of the uh, magazines that I would make just right right after I learned how to drive. That would be my trip. <laughs> when I got my license uh-huh. and I could drive myself. I just was expecting it to go there. Go ahead, please. <laughs> just caught me by surprise. That, Tom's my, having a rough time with I had a, I had my, my weekly trip to the bookstore. Okay. And two things that I always pick, would pick up was Starlog and Fangoria. Ah, uh, yes. Were they both weekly? No, but <laughs> when you're <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Just, when you just hit him, Jeff. <laughs> occasionally, it every week. Come on. Occasionally, my bookstore would would acquire back issues. Ah. so I would always check to see what they had. All right, you get your no price for that then. Uh, could your parents grok you reading Fangoria? I never told him I was reading it. I uh-huh. thought so. I, just, I, 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 I brought the, the stack bomb. in. I put star. I, I was careful to put Starlog on top. <laughs> Look at this. My, Old school. Not my Playboy? mom would see it and go, oh, what's that? Like, oh, it's a nice sci-fi magazine. And I'd start to open a page or two, show her some stuff in there. And my mom, who was never really interested in sci-fi, would be like, oh, that's sweet, dear. And then she would kind of leave me be. So I'd go All fine and dandy to off to my room to read Saturday my, my magazines. Thing. It's all fine and dandy until he flips open to the page with the Saturn 7 spread. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say the tits from Reanimator. That too. You know. uh, that's yeah. probably more likely because that's an older one, yeah, I said. I'm so glad Vangoria is back. Yeah, yeah I saw cool. that. I was like, oh, Todd, he's so happy right I now. Am. Okay, my dick is just around. How do you spell Sinistar? Your what? State. My dick is just aside. It's probably C I N E. His dick is to the side. That's what so, I heard. I know. That's, that's what, what I, heard. I heard too. Low into the left. Not a big deal. Carry on. C I N E S T A T E. Okay. So, no. Sinistate. Okay. That's fine. There's no A R. I know S. Sorry. Sinistar is us with an S. So, we're good. I hunger. My looks to Kirsten have no words. Oh, my God. And it's also great because Andy's getting red in the face. 
he's and still, Kirsten he just ha- <laughs> he hasn't grabbed his chest and gone, oh, it hurts, but he's close. <laughs> and Kirsten just returns the, I'm right there with you. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. no, I Been know there. exactly. It's <laughs> like I have to deal with it more often than you. The fun That's part the look. is when Andy's looking at you knowingly and laughing, and you're like, well, okay, what I miss. Because you don't know what the hell he's laughing at, but he's like totally sharing the moment with you, and you're like, I don't know, dude. He's no. really just sharing the moment with himself. Right. <laughs> and we're still trying to uh, translate what it was that he just said. Frequently, <laughs> you're like, we are sad wait, little planets, frequently. and Andy is the sun. <laughs> he's a black hole, yeah, sucking the gases off of our. Uh, Frequently, there are jokes in my head uh-huh. that I know that in order to get them, you have to have read the six odd books that I've only read myself and connect them all together, even when they have no connection. And I try and keep those to myself. And that's when you see me smirking to myself and giggling and looking over. And it's not that I'm looking for approval. It's that I'm looking at you and I know you know that I'm, I'm out of my mind. Yes, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I actually... You'll give me that look, and I'm like, Christ, I don't, I don't even want to know. For instance, earlier in the podcast, oh you, guys, you guys were saved from me trying to figure out if I actually do a Mickey Mouse voice, trying to do puncher lines as Mickey Mouse, and I decided I couldn't, oh. so I didn't do that for you. Andy, that would have been one of our greatest moments. <laughs> yeah. Punisher lines. I don't lines. think I could have pulled it off <laughs> as Mickey Mouse. I know. That's oh, he why said punisher lines. Yes. Yeah. I said puncher lines. Puncher. Puncher lines. Mickey and Judy. Punch and Judy. Just, you know. You can give it a shot if you want. Oh, God. Um. <laughs> War Journal, 553. I'm sitting there with cracking crack diggers. I'm going to kill him. Kill him, kill him, motherfuckers. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, I, that's the Garth Ennis one. I, 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 I know. I was going to say, I was I was expecting some John Bernthal. Yeah, that's what I was thinking he was going, but. Once you find that love, you got to hold on to it. Don't let go. <laughs> wow, that's kind of good. I like that. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> Oh, what's your punishment? Well, he's got to oh. relax. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Punisher. Write to us in comments. <laughs> little skull with the big ears. Uh, yeah. Ace, get on that. Oh. Ace still around? Have we lost Ace? He pops know. back in from time yeah. to time. Okay, good. He's busy. He's like on. He's like on retainer over on the other show. Yeah. Desilu Studios. Has we lost <laughs> him in the divorce. Holy shit! Wow! Wow! Oh man! Wow! It hurts! hurts Wow! That was uh, digs deep. Oh God! Wow! Expose my raw heart. You promised the therapist you wouldn't go there in front of us. We still get visitation, right? Oh, and that was our clutching moment right there. Desilu Studios has announced it's going to bring V the movie based on the classic 1983 miniseries to theaters. Seriously, this comes back around again? Yep. Wow. Oh, it's more. Yeah, there's there's more to this article. In a big budget film version that will be written and directed by Kenneth Johnson, the creator of the original show. Yeah. The two-part miniseries aired in NBC in 1983, chronicled an invasion of Earth by vicious alien reptiles or reptile aliens yeah. who disguise themselves as friendly humanoids. You described them as lizard-like before, not reptile-like. It's a good point. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not a good point. Triggering a human resistance movement. 
a metaphor for revolution against a fascist government. V was hugely popular with audiences spawning a 1984 sequel, V the Final Battle, and a short-lived 1985 show called V the Series, and the 2009 reboot that lasted for two seasons on ABC. Johnson left V the Final Battle during production due to creative differences with NBC and was not involved with the subsequent shows. He focused instead on writing a novel, V the Second Generation, creating the Alien Nation TV series and its spin-off TV movies, and developing V as a feature film. I'm glad he was ripping himself off on that one. I always thought those two were kind of similar. Of which V and uh, Alien Nation. Oh, yeah. I thought there's a lot of crossover there. <clears throat> if the name Desilu rings a bell, that's because it was the studio owned at the time by legendary comedian Lucille Ball and her husband Desi Arnaz that picked up Gene Roddenberry's pitch for Star Trek in 1964 and produced the first two seasons of the original series before the company was absorbed by Gulf and Western and turned into Paramount Television in 1967. Uh, while the Desilu TV library, including the original Star Trek, is now owned by CBS, the Desilu brand was acquired by businessman Charles B. Hensley and relaunched last year as a new studio. Oh, wow. V the Movie is the first project to be publicly announced by Desilu. Wow. Yeah, I, I was cool. I read, was reading on their website, like, one of their missions is to take uh, popular TV series and licenses and turn them into movies. So, Okay. That's so starting with V. Um, and it, I did, they didn't seem to touch it on in there, but Kenneth Johnson was mentioning that it wouldn't just be, like, a single movie. It'd be, like a series of movies so it'd be like two or three films so they could get all of the content that he wanted to put up i'm up for that especially yeah. him as the original writer behind it absolutely yeah, so there's a piece of information in that backstory that i hadn't heard before so desilu studios was absorbed by the time the second episode second season of star trek was over it's towards the end of the second season so that's when they got canceled no it was canceled after season three no no but it was canceled in after season two and revived by the fans who... It was canceled after season one, right, Kirsten? And then the fan Oof. letter-writing campaign brought it back for the second... Was it the, was it the first season? I, I want to say it was first, and then there was another, you know, I mean, 11th I, hour renewal yeah, for there, season three. There was... Yeah, season, there was two. season three was a... I think it was canceled some point after season two or during season two. See, that's what I was thinking, because that would be an interesting connection there if it was... Desi Lu pop up pulling out of that helped for the cancellation. No, what what really was what had happened was um, NBC kept trying to shave the budget down. They kept shifting the time slot. Um, Roddenberry actually left after season two. He was still executive producer, but he wasn't actively rewriting scripts and being a presence on the lot because he was off. Um, doing a movie called pretty maids in a row i think it was what it was called mm. and Something so like for s for yeah for for literally all of season three they saw you know they the producers um barely saw him like he was in and out and sometimes he'd be he'd go into his office and be out before anybody realized he was there hmm. so he kind of i won't say he abandoned it but it wasn't his priority at that point in time a couple, uh, little time for a few more stories. Habs Hasbro announced a new toy crowdfunding division called 
HasLab. Yep, saw that. This Crowd. is a crowdsourcing program that will give the fans the power to greenlight toy projects. The program is being kicked off with a Star Wars project. It's a four-foot-long, 14-pound detailed recreation of Jabba's sail barge from Return of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. I saw that, yep. This will be the largest Star Wars toy that they've ever created. Give me the size on that again. It's four foot long, 14 pounds. Wow. That's Here, a lot of toy. Here's how the program works. After Hasbro announces a project like this, if enough fans pre-order the toy by a certain date, they will actually make the toy, and all the backers of the project will exclusively get one. For the sale barge to get made, HasLab is asking for 5,000 pre-orders at $500 a pop before April 13th. If they don't reach that goal, the toy won't be made. Here are the details. This is uh, their verbiage on the description of the toy. Measuring a prop... Uh, Approximately four feet long, this vast vehicle is a dream item for any Star Wars collection designed to captivate and inspire the vintage collection Jabba sail barge, the Katana, features exclu exclusively, uh, sorry, exquisitely detailed <laughs> fan-accessible decks that complement 3.75-inch figures, not included, Allow, oh. allowing fans and collectors to recreate intense battles in the Star Wars saga. Its removable side panels off, offer a unique opportunity to pose and set up incredible dioramas, complete with premium deco, vintage packaging, and soft cloth sails. This dream project offers Star Wars devotees the quality and realism they know and love. Included with the vehicle is a Jabba the Hutt at three three quarters inch scale. All right, if anybody buys this and wants to throw 500 bucks at me, I will build a scale model Sarwak pit to go with it. Nice. Sarwak, wow. not, Sarwak not included. Wait, what? Sarwak not included. Actual Sarwak. No, just a hole. So oh, you're just yes. going to make a So you're, you're just going to get like a sand, sand colored canvas with a hole in the middle and cut a hole. Let's go go to their house and dig a hole for them. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, our Andy. I, I can't do the rest of the show. I don't <laughs> Face in my fingers. I was, this is sober. It's crazy. I actually like what Hasbro's doing with this, as opposed to like say the the Maddie Collector style, where they force you to buy, you know, the next thing and the things that you may not want to own. A fine and, point. And you know this, if you're pledging and it doesn't get fully funded, you're not being billed. So I, I actually kind of like the the way that Haslab is doing this. Yeah, definitely better than Maddie Collector. Yeah. And that's that's just a horror show. If it wasn't illegal, I actually think I could build the Thrawak pit for you know. Well, it's a one-off though, right? So if it's a one-off, it's illegal. I don't know what the laws are on this. Like uh, five hundred bucks being for me to I build think the Thrawak. Laws are as long project. as Disney doesn't find out. Yeah, you're right. fine. As long as nobody from Disney is listening to the podcast. Well, we're safe there. <laughs> what you do is they that you know the person says, "Oh, I built I built this myself to go along with my collectible." Yes. Save win. Sure. All right, one more story. A musical version of King Kong. <laughs> you can stop right there. <laughs> will open in Broadway's Schubert Theater in the fall of 2018. It's on Broadway? On Broadway. Wow. The show is written by Jack Thorne, who scripted the award-winning play Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. 
and also wrote the stage version of the Swedish horror film Let the Right One In. I swear Mad Magazine did a musical version of King Kong in one of the... God. Drew McWunny will handle the... Sorry? <laughs> Drew McWunny. M-C-O-N-I-E. All right. So we're back to the, 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 the crowdforce, crowdsourced toys. So I expect like Toy McToy Face. I mean, it's, that's just made that name up. Drew will handle the direction and cinematography while the music and songs will be co- composed by Marius DeVries, who did the music for La La Land, and Eddie uh, Perfect. Mm-hmm. Who Eddie wrote, Perfect? Eddie Perfect, who wrote the songs for another upcoming Broadway genre-based production, Beetlejuice. Kong himself will be brought to life via animatronics and puppetry by designer Sonny Tilders. The irony of all this is that Kong was first displayed to a New York audience in a Broadway theater during the climactic scenes in the classic 1933 movie, of course, with unfortunate results. So as long as everything goes to plan and there's no horrific Spider-Man turn off the darkness happening, King Kong the musical this fall. Wasn't there a King Kong Broadway play that was a non-musical version? I swear I remember seeing uh footage of like they had the it was I, a people I be it was a, it was a it was a people operated animatronic so it was not digital it literally had people it was like giant puppet basically a puppet, yeah so you had people working the eyes in there so you had like six people in this thing like four in the head moving the mouth oh, wow. and the eyes and then you had two more people moving the arm and stuff that one, sounds amazing one guy in the mouth jumping up and down to make the mouth See, now I have to find out two in the pink one in the stink <laughs> oh god <laughs> Uh, what's your punisher? Write to us comments at uglycowshow.com. <laughs> and until next week, if I survive, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Mickey Punisher. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Matt. Wow. Ooh. Come back. Wow. <laughs> They're like so they can repurpose the uh, songs Dude. from the uh, King Cut, the. Uh, Planet of the Apes musical. You can do the the old never make a monkey out of me. Oh wow, <laughs> dude! It already toured. It what? toured South Africa. Really? King Kong stage musical. Was that seen. seems inappropriate, you know, dude. There are pictures. You know they. Uh, yeah, 2013 they, King Kong this, musical. Yeah, this usually happens. Uh, this is before it hits Broadway. It gets tested out in all these uh, other theaters. I used to be hired back in. Uh, Evansville for nice. this kind of stuff. So yeah, you get some. Yeah, it's cool. So it actually, uh, there's some cool looking stuff. So they're working out of the kinks and looks like it's a period piece. Kinks because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. of the booby rubbing yeah. scene. Oh yeah, booby rubbing scene. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you don't remember this? Yeah, I okay. remember no, it. It's hard to forget. Although yeah. it's kind of funny because I got the. Unless they edited the DVD, I got the DVD, and it was like, that scene was nowhere near what I remember it to be. Oh, it was just like a second or two. Yeah, it was just, but boy, oh boy, oh boy did adolescent mind uh, make that a totally different... Uh, if, I, if I was a big monkey, this is what I would It was an original, too. Yeah, but they cut that out. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, yeah, he they, they did the whole... Yes, you're doing the little. I know. I'm, I'm, move I'm, this is my tribute to Matt. <laughs> no. I'm making a gesture. Yes, yeah. thank you. You're back here to in the pink with the, the thing again, the, the giant finger. Yeah. <laughs>
Did you say two in the pink, one in the sink? <laughs> yeah, but, he's a big finger. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> no, that was uh, Andy's puppet, the puppeteers. There were two in the pink, one in the stink. No, the sink. And eight in the Sarlacc. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, that, that's, that's IP. <laughs> Disney will charge you. Oh, yeah. well. Plus, that's... Get that finger out of my Sarlacc pit. <laughs> yeah, one in the stink and two in the Sarlacc pit. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> um, um. Uh, bu- 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 congratulations. <laughs> congratulations to Matt Colville. I've mentioned Matt. He... Uh, he did a series of YouTube videos on being a DM. He opened up a Kickstarter, uh-huh. um, Strongholds and Followers. It's now in like the second week, um, and it is on its way to set a record for the top-earning tabletop Kickstarter, tabletop RPG Kickstarter. Oh, wow. Uh, the, 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 the number one was $1.3 million for John Wick's, uh, I think it was called Seventh C. And in two weeks... If, I think it's two weeks now. Matt has made one point two million, so he's still got uh, two weeks, three 1. weeks 2 to go. One point two million followers, Bitcoin dollars, dollars, dollars. Wow. dollars. He's got like fifteen thousand backers. That's amazing. His YouTube videos yeah. will get a hundred thousand views, one hundred fifty thousand views. So his community is very large, very rich. He's very good at what he does. He he's the lead writer for Turtle Rock Studios. Hmm. And so he knows his business, and he's generated a lot of goodwill in the community uh, doing his videos, doing his Twitch streams. And the Stronghold and Followers is a fifth edition rule set where you, you, for each character class, to build a stronghold. You build your castle or your wizard's tower or your thieves' establishment. Uh, or the cleric's temple, and he talks about rules of getting followers and stuff like that. And he said, "Hey, if I get enough people asking for this, I might do a Kickstarter." And over the months, people were like, Dah! "And so, so is it just a role-playing rules? It's is, a there, role is there playing a physical component? It's um, it's a no, no, no. Yeah. Well, actually, there's the book, Stronghold and Followers, which will be the fifth edition rule set rules for Strongholds and Followers." And he's done stretch goals, and he has actually done miniatures stretch goals. He's doing gem dragons, so like a oh. ruby dragon, a sapphire dragon. And uh, he's actually gotten – they did research. They actually did uh, sculpt tests to make sure they could do it because um, doing a limited run of figures is actually incredibly yes, expensive. Sure. Yes, it is. But he's done it. He's done it. It's it's successful. He's running. He's, wow. He's so where do you go to find this again? This is on Kickstarter, Stronghold and Followers. You can also, if you Google Kickstarter Matt Colville, C-O-L-V-I-L-L-E, it'll pop up on Google. The, in addition, he said one of some of the goals he set was to get streaming facilities because he wants to stream D&D games a la... Critical Role, and he's going to be buying, renting studio space. He's buying equipment, and he's going to do his set up his own streaming thing. And he has hit his stretch goals to do all that. So that's all coming as well. So wow. it's in, it's incredibly it, it's incredible. It's just incredible because literally 
in like the matter of a weekend, he went up to $900,000. So he hadn't even gone a week and he was already approaching a millionaire. That's amazing for a supplement. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. And it's 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 uh, and he's worth it. He's worth it. It's worth checking out if you play D&D, if you played 5th edition. His videos on YouTube are worth checking out. Take a look at him. He's great in terms of giving DM advice and just talking about the history of the game. Oh. oh. So congratulations, Matt Colville, because uh, you, sir, are on the way. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it's great. I've watched a Critical Role, you said. I've watched a bit of that as well, over Kirsten's shoulder, and it's it's very entertaining, i got to say. I, when you were talking about watching, I'm like, yeah, I'm watching somebody play D&D. You don't? That, that sounds, and they're not short episodes. That either. sounds nearly as dumb as like listening to somebody describe every episode of the X-Men. I mean, yeah, Jesus. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like <clears throat> as dumb as listening to a bunch of geeks talk about the weekend geek. <laughs> and their Sarlacc pits. You know, but, but yeah, I mean, Chris critical role the the happenstance of just a bunch of voice actors mm-hmm. getting together and playing D&D and then Felicia Day suggesting to the DM hey you guys should actually stream that and just the genius on her part to, to actually make that invitation just it's an amazing thing yeah. cuz they're all uh, uh some podcasters have described it as telegenic you you got your telegenic players playing D and D, and it works out incredibly well. So they're and their own CW group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, Matt Mer- Mike Mike Merles, who's uh, the lead developer um, for D and D Fifth Edition. Uh, him, Matt Colville, Matt Mercer, who DMs Critical Role, uh, and another gentleman, Adam Coble, were talking on. Um, uh, doing a roundtable discussion of 5th edition and streaming. And Mike Merle's comment was, streaming is the medium that tabletop role-playing has been waiting for. And it really it really has had a lot to do with the resurgence. They, they are totally sure that more people are playing D&D now than have ever played before. And it's really become its own big, huge phenomenon uh, Hasbro, Wizards of the Coast are being very careful not to oversaturate. They're literally doing like one, one big supplement a year in terms of hardcover release uh, to, to control market saturation. One of the reasons why something like Strongholds and Followers is so big is because it's, it's filling a hole that, um, that makes Wizards, sense. yeah, it's filling a Sarlacc pit that you know Wizards of the Coast won't fly into. I'm so, so glad you said that, so I didn't have to. Yeah, I, I figured I'd head it yeah. off at the pass. Yeah, but um, uh, well, the uh, damn, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, can't win them all. I want brats, and where the fuck? Beggars oh. Canyon. Yes, Beggars Canyon. <laughs> well, okay, good. can't be choosers. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Beggars Canyon can't be choosers. Jesus. All right, Matt Colville, that's what we're ending on, I guess. <laughs> but check it out. If you have any interest in running, any interest in designing your own systems, and you haven't already heard, check out Matt Colville's YouTube videos. That's just YouTube. He's got a Twitch channel. He comes on uh, like Fridays or Saturdays. He'll announce it on his Twitter, which is at Matt Colville. And then, of course, Kickstarter, Stronghold and Followers. You won't, you won't regret it if you're a gamer. I think there's something to be said for production value because I can't get enough of tabletop. Will Wheaton's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, but most of that's because of how well it's put together, mm-hmm. how well it's filmed, how good it looks. 
And frankly, a lot of that's in the editing of how good that yeah. show is. Yeah. So much so that I've tried so hard to find anything similar to it, even close, and nobody, nobody can nobody do it. Nobody touches it. The, the, the Wheaton's Wheaton's uh, show is is very well done. Uh, his Titan's Grave is actually that's his that's his tabletop role playing, and that one is um, edited similar to his show Tabletop, multi camera cutting all over the place, whereas Critical Role is just a three-camera setup, a fourth camera because they'll have a, a, a map cam, but it's just one camera on three players, another on four players, a third on Matt Mercer, and they're all up on, you know, Hangouts style, uh, streaming style, and it's, it's a, you know, it's a different approach. I really liked, I originally liked Titan's Grave better than Critical Role, but once I got into what they were doing at Critical Role, it was like, Jesus, these guys are, it's just fucking amazing. Because one, it, like we have learned in terms of longevity, being regular and routine and doing your episodes and putting them on, Critical Role has been doing it for years. Titan's Grave, they did like 13 episodes a couple years ago. They haven't done any since. But Critical Role keeps rolling on. And part of that success is the longevity and just keeping it going. It's the, absolutely amazing. The geek shock rule. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's right. One a week for years. Yes. Plus they're telegenic. Which is something we the don't geek shock rule. <laughs> yeah, plus the, yeah, if you're not telegenic, be a podcast. And you're or safe. at least be attractive. 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 Any more questions? Right.